0: I will welcome everyone once again to the long overdue, a show about libraries, where each episode I will bring a special guest where we talk about the Soros Library and beyond. Today with me I have Dr. Kathy Stein, Director of the Academic Center for Excellence. She has been at Soros for 14 years now as a professor and director. She's also the director of the Soros Honors Club, and she was also a previously visiting professor at UTEP and also served as director of the Tutoring and Learning Center for UTEP. Welcome, Dr. Stein. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you. So um, this is a long overdue, as I was mentioning to you before. It's a great podcast. Um, Wasn't started by me, actually. It was started by one of our previous librarians. Her name was Jocelyn Sandlin, Mm -hmm. and she asked me to be her co-host but um, since Jocelyn moved on to greener pastures, I mantle fell upon me. Mm-hmm. So it's great to have you on the show. Um, do you have anything else you want to add to what I just said about yourself? Anything you'd like our audience to know?
1: No, nope. <laughs> nope. that about covers it.
0: All right, well, then let's get started. Dr. Stein, what do libraries mean to you?
1: I love libraries. And I'm sure that that's how most of your guests respond. But I just love books.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I've tried using Kindles, and I realize that they're part of any, like, that the, the virtual books are just as important now as the paper books. So, I've, But I've tried Kindles, and I just, I love turning pages. And so in the classroom, like when sometimes I'll, I'll look at students, I go, get off your phones. And they're going, but that's where my text is. And I'm just going, how in the world are you looking at the book? on your phone because the text is so small Mm -hmm. but that's where our students are now that's not how I am printed as a reader I am printed on turning those pages and there's just something that I really love about that so I love going to libraries and just seeing all of those pages just waiting Mm -hmm. to be turned and and that's what I love about libraries it's just all of those opportunities that are awaiting as soon as I have time to be going through the stacks and pulling them out.
0: (laughs) No and I agree completely it's I, I i can't do kindle myself I, there's just there's no better feeling than yeah. turning the pages of a book holding that book you know feeling when you're really immersed in it and i mean being myself in my classes the textbook for the class i had to use it's an online textbook now yeah. so it's a it's it's very interesting how nowadays you have that an option now it's either yeah. the hardcover you get it on kindle or stuff like that but yeah no it's i'm glad to hear that you match as a lot of our previous guests have said about they love about libraries loving books and all that good stuff i'm glad to hear that dr stein (laughs) so with this in mind what does our library mean to you
1: i wish that our students enjoyed our library as much as i do um i love that we have the children's section um i teach children's lit and Mm -hmm. i just think Looking at the books that we start children out with is just so fun. While it's not a traditional part of the library, I love that Lobo Din is in the library because mm-hmm. it forces our students to actually go to the library and maybe think about what's possible. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that beyond the books, we also have the DVD collection, understanding that communication is so much more than just the written word these days. It comes in variety of forms. I mean, I love the cartoons y'all have at the front on the rolling board yeah. throughout the semester. I just think they're so clever and helpful. Um, I love the fact that our library is so many different things. You know, it's got the computer lab. It has the archives. It mm-hmm. has, um, or at least it had the gaming room. I mm-hmm. don't know if we still have it or not. But you know that there's just so many different aspects to it. And that it's beyond the shh mm-hmm. and, and become a much more open space integral to all aspects of one's lives. And the other thing I love about our library is going in and seeing people from the community, there Mm -hmm. using it, I just think it's a valuable resource that we don't um, honor enough. Because if everything else on this campus disappears, we could still go to the library and get so much of our work done uh, here in terms of teaching Mm -hmm. in terms of learning in terms of researching, it's all possible here in the library.
0: Yeah, and you're absolutely right. I I think that's what's great about our library. into like this Swiss army knife for the students. Because like you said, now we have Lobo down there. So they go there to register for classes, to talk with the tutors there. And they know like, oh, well, I'm already here. I can print on my homework assignments. Or or I can try looking for that book I need for that one class. Or hey, I can even check out the archives I need be. So yeah, I think that's also what I I agree with you, that I appreciate about our library is that it's... It's almost like the hub for everything right. that Soros has to offer. Right. Because it, it it also becomes a gateway to the rest of Soros. Because right. you go to the library, you go to the archives, and then they're like, well, if you want to know more, we got the museum. Yeah. Or you can check out the science building or yeah. any of the other buildings that correlate to what you want to do.
1: It links all across the campus.
0: Exactly. It serves as a great link for our students. Because yeah. not only, like you said, do they get to go to Den for their classes, for the tutors, but once they see what classes they're going to take, they're already at the library, so they can already immediately jump into, oh, I'm going to get a head start on
2: yeah.
0: what I'm going to look into. And as for the game room, yeah, we used to have it. Unfortunately, we, we could never find a good place for it. Yeah, It was always kind of hidden in the back, tucked away. So instead, we decided to give what materials we had for the game room to campus activities.
2: Oh, nice. Yeah,
0: so... The, the game room they have over at the UC has a lot of the things that we used to have now. Nice. So now people know that they can go there for a lot of the stuff we used to have. Um, because I mean, what was great about the game room too is that certain professors would actually send their students there, specifically for like computer science right. or right. video game uh, projects. Then you, oh, well the library has these games. I want you guys to do this for your homework, stuff like that. Yeah. So again, it adds to what you said, that connecting hub of right. everything. And I'm glad that you, as much as everybody else can see it, sees it as that. Right. Because, like you said, it's not just for our students, our faculty, and staff. The community also shows up. Yes. The community borrowers show up. They become part of the Soros family, so to speak. So I'm glad that you also appreciate that fact about our library. (laughs) So, we know what libraries mean to you, we know what our library means to you. What's your history with libraries, though?
1: Okay, so. I've been saying this a lot, and I should probably stop, but I'm old
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
1: because I'm old, when I was in elementary school in Texas, libraries weren't a mandatory, weren't available in all mm. elementary schools um, and I lived in a poor part of town
2: mm-hmm.
1: that my apologies <laughs> no, okay. in a poor part of town where um, we didn't we did not have a library in our mm. school and and by virtue of the hours that my mother worked, it wasn't like she could take us to the library to check out books. I didn't realize that, outside of our textbooks, I really didn't realize that other books existed for a long time. And mm. then when I was in fifth grade at this particular school, the um, the the teacher kept me after class one day, and she said she had a bookcase, a locked bookcase that had a glass covered uh, with glass doors on it, and she unlocked it and she said would you like to take one of these books home to read wow wow she just had this whole variety of different books that it was just it was just incredible Mm -hmm. that so to me that was a library at the very beginning and it opened up all these other worlds that i didn't have access to by virtue of the fact that you know we just didn't have any money we didn't go anywhere we and mom worked so many hours. And I remember then when I went to to middle school, and they had an actual big room filled with books. And I would be allowed to check out, you know, up to six books at a time, and I did. And I would be reading from them all at the same time. And and I would carry them around with me, and the teachers would go, well, why are you carrying all these books? Just carry the one you're reading. And I'd go, well, I'm reading all of them. and which was kind of silly, but I was just, it was like, I was scared they'd disappear or something. Yeah. But that was just a whole revelation about a world outside of where I was living and of ways of looking at the world that I had just never seen. And I just, it was enthralling to realize that mm-hmm. all of this was available and out there. And, and so that's what libraries did for me, they just took what was a very encapsulated, uh, Lifestyle just be, just because it seemed like there were so few opportunities, um, and made me realize that there was so much more out there that I had not realized uh, until I started reading and seeing all mm-hmm. of these books. And just, as, I mean, you have textbooks in class, and you realize there's a bigger world. But when you start reading of other people's lives, and and you know, science fiction, other worlds, yeah. you know, uh, maybe pretend. But what a fascinating way of looking at life through know science fiction mm-hmm. so it was just really a, a great opportunity for me to realize they just opened up the world for me in a way that I had not had it opened up until that point
0: hmm so then now that libraries have become more available what are some of the biggest changes you've personally seen from going to that glass bookcase to just libraries in
1: general now Well, mainly the technological aspect. I mean, it used to. I mean, I remember the card catalogs. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the, and and I just find it really interesting that there's so much. So that our library, I think, is effective because it's not just books anymore. I Mm -hmm. think any library that is solely books is, is missing the mark these days. Mm. And I think that libraries are also so available now through computer. I mean, that's what I've seen the biggest change in. We, I bring my classes to the library for an introduction on how to do research. Mm-hmm. And you know, so much of what, especially at a, a rural institution like ours, and a smaller institution like ours, where we have less money for research materials, those mm-hmm. databases are invaluable. Mm-hmm. Because they make it possible to do research in a way that if we were only able to offer them the paper journals, um, that we would not have access to. So that to me is the biggest changes, is that part of the library that is beyond the four walls now, um, which is good. I mean, it makes it possible for us to have the benefits of the bigger libraries that are out there in the world, uh, the materials that are, are available for research, uh, in a way that I'm not quite sure how people managed it. I guess it was interlibrary loan. I can't imagine doing graduate research uh, at a smaller library uh, when you know that other things might be available. Or maybe you just wouldn't know they were available because mm-hmm. pre-technology or pre-computers and Googling and all that sort of stuff, however, you'd know pre-databases. So I think that that's been the biggest change. I also think that's taken away some of the joy of the actual book. Mm-hmm you know of just being able to turn those pages because yeah. it's not nearly as fun to scroll down I mean I just you know I've only been scrolling for the past uh, 20 years I can't imagine those of you who will have grown up scrolling my four-year-old granddaughter knows how mm. to scroll so I can't imagine where carpal tunnel syndrome is going to be as a <laughs> issue by time all of you guys are hitting my age that's very true
0: <laughs> no and you're you're right it's it's very hard to think nowadays of a library without some sort of technological aspect in it. I mean, e- even back when they started introducing microfilm machines, um, there w- that was already a technological aspect in the library. I mean, I remember watching movies where they would show off the libraries, and mm-hmm. I'd say, I need to find this book. And the librarian would be like, here's your card catalog for it, <laughs> flip through it. If you find the card you're looking for, now you got to go rifle through it. And nowadays, you just look yeah. up the title, and there it is, the yeah. number's right there. Yeah. Write down the number. There you go, simple as that. So yeah, I, it's interesting to hear that technology, even today, is still making that impact. It still has made that impact, yeah. especially on libraries now, making a lot of things more readily available for students. Because I mean, I, I agree with you. I can't think of like how difficult research must have been when you needed something that was not available at your library. I'm sure that maybe people have made more use of like, the yellow pages or just having to ask who knew, who knew someone who knew someone who knew someone who knew that person, so they could get back to you and tell you, yes, I have that book or no, you're gonna have to ask the person who knows that person. So mm-hmm. it just, it's just removed so many middlemen. Yeah, now.
1: yeah. And made it possible for places like Soas to thrive. Mm hmm. Um, and not be a barrier for that not to be a barrier for our mm-hmm. students as they're doing research and I, and that's that's not that is nice. Um, but again, you know, one of the things that I, I do wonder about is people missing out on the power of holding paper in mm-hmm. their hands, I, I think that to me, that will be a sad thing. But then you know, I had a grandmother who just despaired of the fact that none of her grandchildren knew how to start a coal fire.
0: Really? A
1: stove she was just scared to death that the electricity would go out one day and we wouldn't we would all freeze to death because we wouldn't know how to start a coal fire in a stove. And, you know, I would tell her, Well, Grandma, one, none of us have a coal burning stove. (laughs) And two, I wouldn't know where to find coal right now that I could put into it. So I'm gonna freeze to death anyway if that's the case if I can't put on enough blankets. So, you know, maybe my love affair would the the paper book is, is mm-hmm. just indicative of where I'm at age wise and, and like for my granddaughters it won't be something that they're even cognizant of in the mm-hmm. same way that I look at a, a coal burning stove and I think well you know could I use that in the corner to put a flower pot on but I never <laughs> think of it in terms yeah. of its initial function yeah. I only look at it now in terms of form so you know maybe that's where many of our books are going um, when Kindle first came out when the electronic books were first coming out it's going oh it's a fad mm-hmm. we're going to stick with books they're not going to uh disappear and now i can really see them becoming you know antiques yeah. in lots of ways for lots of people um especially you know once you know my generation and people who have who have grown up with books when they've had the opportunity to be viewing everything online i think it'll be a totally different experience for them, and that they won't necessarily see the the value that I have in holding a book mm-hmm. in the same way. So um, I think the definition of book is definitely going to change as definitely. time goes by.
0: And I mean, funny enough, I, I was having this type of conversation with a friend of mine, how you look at a you look at a VHS, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a lot of students, we've heard them ask, well, what, what is that? Yeah. Or they ask, where's the movie in this? <laughs> And you're like, well, it's 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 in there. It's a lot different, and and again, it's like it's like thinking, oh well, CDs, DVDs, they're a fad. They're gonna pass. We're gonna keep using VHS, and it's like, no. It, I think that's one of the very interesting aspects of technology is that every generation is always going to go through that
2: yeah. thought.
0: Like, oh, that's just a fad. It's gonna pass. Yeah. We're still gonna use this, and it's like, no. It's it, it shifted now. Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine the shift that people must have experienced with horse drawn carriages yep. to the locomotive.
2: Right.
0: And then from that to the first cars and thinking, cars aren't going to make it. Right. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep using my horse. And it's yeah. and it's no, look at us now. And yeah. even then we are we're, we're now moving to possible cars that don't need us to be driving them. They'll right. drive us. Yeah. So I think it's it's great that the way technology evolves, it's it's just limited to like how it's been evolving with the library right. but with everything else. Right. So I i i find yeah. that point of view interesting and it's yeah.
1: well because at first you know you could find hay for your horse you mm-hmm. could there weren't gas stations yeah but then now there's gas stations and there aren't hay stations for horses so exactly <laughs> i mean just the ability to have a horse drawn cart would be you know it, it's virtually a, it would be an anachronism mm-hmm. to be riding around so as the technology speeds up it's sort of takes away our I mean it's not even possible to use some of the former yeah. uh, versions of technology and yet they were state-of-the-art at the time exactly
0: mm-hmm. like I think of uh, we have some typewriters in the library mm-hmm. and very rare but people will ask us to use them and know some people have asked how do you use the typewriter and it's it's yeah. this whole thing it was it was innovative back then you mm-hmm. no longer had yep. to just rely on pen and paper now you right. could type now but yeah. now we have laptops, desktops, stuff like that.
1: Can you imagine doing a thesis or a dissertation <laughs> on a typewriter? I mean,
0: <laughs> making I one can. mistake would have frustrated <laughs> me so much because I would have to rip out the page and start from scratch. I just thinking about it, I'm like a lot of people back then had a lot of patience with yep. typewriters yep. for sure. So, with now with all of this in mind, what would you say is one of the coolest, more interesting libraries you've visited?
1: Well, I'm going to say the UTEP library. Okay. University of Texas, Del Paso. And the reason I say that is not, doesn't even have anything to do with books, but mm-hmm. they, um, UTEP uh, uh, professors, there were some doing research in Mexico on the Aztec use of pigments. Okay. In the pyramids. And they had come up with the formula, especially for some of the reds and blues. And so they had authorized the use of The colors that they had discovered on how to recreate them in the 20th century at the time. And then they were using that for decoration, for painting in the public areas of the library. And so it was this sort of, if you knew this, it was sort of this archeological flashback to the time of the Aztecs in terms of these beautifully hued colors Mm -hmm. that when we look at the, what's left of the pyramids now. Uh, down south. You know, we don't have the benefit of the colors that they were painted. Mm-hmm. And so that to me was just fascinating, that all these, all these, to bring history into the library when the library is mm-hmm. a, uh, a treasure trove of historical information, but to see it in a non-book form, I just thought that was a great use of another. Another way of bringing history to life, and so I always thought that that was just a really neat aspect of a library to to be teaching in another way than than from just a
0: book. Yeah, wow, that's that's amazing. I I didn't know that about Utah's library. Actually, right. I think it's that's that's a fantastic way to decorate. Yeah, like it's
1: it it's, honors your your researchers. Yeah. It honors the past. It provides a different. You know, I mean, we tend to again going back to the mm-hmm. library and going back to you know um the uniform way of presenting books and bookshelves and all the, and this is it's really just a beautiful place mm-hmm. to just wander through. Um and I found that fast I always find that fascinating yeah. when I think of that library.
0: Yeah no I think that's great too because it, it shows the students a practice yes. that was taken from various accounts and books and they put it into practice and like yeah. they showed it off. All right. Like, look, this is what they used to do. We learned from this, yeah. from our own studies, from books, we probably ran into in the library as well. Yeah. I think it's a great way to show it off in that library. Fascinating. Oh, I, I got to check that out one time for sure. Yeah. Like that, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> so now then with this in mind, if you could build your own library. What would it look like, Dr. Stank?
1: Well, it has, mine has all of these oak shells in it, dark oak. Um, There are huge overstuffed recliners that rock. (laughs) (laughs) There is, um, not a Starbucks, because I'm not a Starbucks fan, (laughs) but there is easily accessible great coffee with creamer and pastries, because I... um, I enjoy my sweets, and then there's a candy bar. One of the shelves of the bookshelves is a candy bar because there's nothing like a good cup of coffee and some some forms of sugar as you are um, reading. Great lighting, uh, but I don't want external lighting. I don't want a whole lot of sunshine coming in. My library is a dark place. My husband's going to call it my cave (laughs) that has all of these wonderful... uh, uh, Mood lighting and Mm -hmm. then specific lighting that I can turn on a a lamp and it brings the lighting straight down to the page that I'm on. That is my dream library. And maybe a fireplace with it being cold enough to use the fireplace. But that's optional.
0: It's very, very comfortable. (laughs) One of those very relaxing library. I feel like most of the time I'd end up falling asleep just because (laughs) of how comfortable and enjoyable that entire setting is.
1: Yeah. Well, I find that for me that I mean, literally, I I can't think of the last day when I didn't read something during the day. Mm -hmm. Even if it's only a few pages, I read every day. Mm -hmm. Because that's how I de-stress. That's how I I calm things down. That's how I declutter my brain before I'm getting ready to go to bed um, every day. I mean, I have books all over the house. And I you know, my husband, this is one of the ways in which I know he loves me. <laughs> we have walls of bookshelves mm-hmm. in our home because he honors the fact that I love books and the books and and the books that I know I'm going to want to read again. We get a hardback copy so that I can go in my library. And this is a man who doesn't take joy from reading. Reading is something that one does when one has to do it. <laughs>
2: um,
1: and so the fact that he supports my love of books and, and is willing to have space in our home for my books. Mm-hmm. And whenever we move, he'll go, I'm going to have to pack how many books? And I'm going, I'll help. And he goes, right. Well, I do try to help. But Packing books is, I mean, packing them isn't a problem, but carrying boxes of books around is heavy work. Yes. (laughs) But um, the fact that he does it, I think, is adequate proof that the man loves me. (laughs) Definitely.
0: I'm I'm glad to hear that your husband, um, while does not share the passion, appreciates your passion and does what he can to ensure that you can keep pursuing your passion. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. That's
0: fantastic. I'm very glad to hear that. (laughs) So now that we touched upon your books, what would you say is your favorite
2: book?
1: Yeah, when students ask me that, or or even like in this case, I always tend to go to Dune by Frank Herbert. Mm -hmm. Um, I read it, I I don't know how many different times I've read it. I try to read it like once every five years or so. Um, I know that my reading of it pre-9-11 and the war in Iraq Mm -hmm. and Afghanistan um, changed my reading of it in a way that... um, that I've found interesting, I just find that it takes so many historical, you know, takes so so many historical elements and then puts them into a far future. The role of women in that book, mm-hmm. um, the political issues that come up, um, the ways in which we treat each other badly, and the way in which we fight to uh, to live the lives we want to live. I just find all of those themes to be brought together in a very nice way in Dune and the Dune series. But that's the one that I usually call my, my favorite book.
0: Yeah, it's a very interesting book, for sure. I personally started reading it, well, back up to jump back in on it um, because of classes. But like it's a fantastic yeah. book, fantastic setting, very interesting. It's very hard to not lose yourself when you're in that world created by, by him. So I can understand, I can see why it would be one of your favorite books, yeah. for sure. So what are you reading now, though?
1: Right, right now, I am reading Pure Fluff. I am into <laughs> murder mysteries, mainly by John Sanford, the Prey series. Mm-hmm. And I'm reading a lot of Kellerman, any of the Kellermans. Uh, uh, Faye Kellerman, her husband. I think he's another John, and then their son. And I can't remember his name right off the bat. But they have, between the three of them, they have Three or four different series of books, and and um, I've got them all. Uh, there's a bookstore in San Angelo mm-hmm. where you can buy hardbacks for a dollar of the ones that they have multiple copies of. Oh wow. So I've just got this whole set of hardbacks on from John Sanford and from the Kellermans, and then uh, in Ace on the second floor of Ferguson, we have a uh, uh, the honors program has put in a, a rack mm-hmm. uh, and. Book And I just take, when I finish reading the books, because, you know, I'm probably not going to reread those books. They're <laughs> not going to go into my permanent library. I just read them just for, you know, decluttering my brain at the end of the day. So I put, when I finish reading those books, I put them there. And then it's it's a free library. Yeah. Take a book, bring a book. You want to keep it. If you find that you love it, you keep it forever. So I, when I finish with those books, I, I put them in the, the honors program mm-hmm. free library so that hopefully others can find some joy in reading
0: too yeah I've uh whenever I've seen it obviously all the time when I go to teach my class I always see it there and I think that's a very interesting very very nice concept of here these are these are books people have read before you should Mm -hmm. check them out too because you'll take it you read it and when you come back there's other books there already they've people have been picking them up there's something new you can check out and Wow, you, you have a lot of books you've been reading then. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> glad to see that. <laughs> Something you used to do back with your first library or with that, but the bookcase, it's still following yes. with you, reading multiple books at once. Yeah, that's <laughs> so true. <laughs> so just a little fun question from both the places you've worked, Which you preferred Sol Ross or UTEP?
1: You know, Sol Ross is um, in UTEP, UTEP siloed
2: mm-hmm. uh, because
1: it's so big. And at Sol Ross, I get to have my finger in so many different pies that at UTEP, I wouldn't. Yeah. And so while I got you know, my bachelor's and my master's and my doctorate there, um, and, and my son is a graduate of UTEP, and, mm-hmm. and heaven knows my son loves UTEP athletics to this day. Uh, and I have a fondness for UTEP in the minors. Mm-hmm. But Sol Ross is where I think I really feel like I've made a difference and and where I've been allowed to do so many different things between mm-hmm. honors and like I was faculty in residence in Lobo Village for mm-hmm. a long time and, um, you know, working with tutoring and then with the Dev Ed program and, and then being an English professor. I just, faculty assembly, all mm-hmm. the things that, being at a smaller school, I've been allowed opportunities to do work that I, Probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to do if I had stayed at mm. UTEP, and so while it was you know I had many great experiences there, I feel they're more preparatory for the time that I came here to mm. Soros. So I'm going to say Soros.
0: <laughs> Soros it is then. Well, I'm I'm glad that Soros has been able to provide you with that, with the ability to like you said put your finger in many different pies. Yeah. Because it seems that you're someone who really likes to do that. You like to ensure that you your knowledge, your expertise, is in very different areas where you know you'll be able to help others with it. It's
1: the hope. <laughs> the
0: hope, yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear that, you t- that Soros has been to provide that for you. So it's, it's great that Soros has someone like you as a part of their faculty, their staff, and so on and so forth.
1: Well, that's kind. <laughs> <laughs> so from the times
0: you've been to our library, what would you say is something very notable about our collection?
1: Well, uh, uh, the desk because um, I just think that that's, I've always thought that the desk was a fascinating tradition Mm -hmm. here at the university. And then when I realized that the journals were being collected from the desk, Mm -hmm. and then taken to the archives, you know, I just think that that's a fascinating tradition. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, maybe not the most research intensive in terms (laughs) of traditions at an institution. But I think it's something that you know, uh, is a way to get the attention of our students Definitely. in a way that can help engage them in terms of this isn't just the shh place mm-hmm. of stereotype, but that it's a you know it's an organic dynamic place to come mm-hmm. into. And there's more than I mean the books themselves have an appeal, but there's more than just the books when you come to the library. And I yeah. think that having the desk in the outer. Uh, lobby at the outer atrium area is a is a really nice draw and just a way of saying that one the library is part of this institution mm-hmm. and to this institution has a long and storied history and engage find yeah. out what it is be a part of it
0: no you're absolutely right i remember hearing the stories about the desk when i first went to the library i saw the desk and i read up a little bit on it Amber thinking, no way someone actually took this desk up all the way up there. Sure enough, that desk's there. There's a new desk yes. up there. And I, I just found that tradition very interesting. I took part of that tradition. I'm glad I did. It was a great hike, great view.
1: nearly killed me when I went, but we went on a 105-degree <laughs> day. I learned my lesson.
0: <laughs> now you know everyone you have to be prepared when you make that trip. <laughs> well, Dr. Stemmey, we have two more questions for you. So first we have... What do you love about Sol Ross?
1: There's so much I think to love about this institution. I love our history. I love, I love the role we play in this region. I love the fact that students can come here from these big, large cities and have this opportunity to be in this smaller place where they can make a difference and where it's kind of hard to hide. It's not that it's not impossible. But, you know, I know my students names, I mm-hmm. see them across campus, I say hello. Um, and that is great. Because when I taught at UTEP, um, teaching was, you know, a, but I didn't, I, I, well, I knew my students names at UTEP, where would I see them, I'd see them in the building. Yes. that I was teaching it. Um, walking across campus, there were you know, just too many students, and mm-hmm. very rarely would I see the students that I knew. Here at Sol Ross, I walk across campus, and, you know, students may not appreciate it because you can't hide, right? <laughs> and, hmm, you just weren't in class, were you, On yep. well, I wasn't feeling well. Hmm, was lunch good because he's coming <laughs> out of the UC? I mean, you know, you can just, you know, uh, tease your students like crazy at a place like this because mm-hmm. you can get to know them in a way that just isn't possible at something, mm-hmm. well, isn't as probable as a place like Soros. And I think there's something to be said walking across campus and going, hey, Edwin, how's it going? And mm-hmm. the guy next to you is going, your professor knows your name? Yeah. Here they do. You know, you don't get to have those opportunities to interact in a way that not only impacts your students, but then also tells the students around them, you know, my faculty know who I am. Yeah. And uh, they remember me, and outside of the classroom, they are not scared to talk to me, and maybe I'm not scared to talk to them now. Exactly. Those sorts of things. So I love that about Sol Ross.
0: That was actually my my draw when Sol Ross came to my high school to present, and I liked that that they said, "Oh yeah, it's it's very one on one with the professors. They actually know your name because of how small the university is." And I remember thinking, "Oh great, I won't be just a number to right. the professors. I right. will." I won't be. I won't hear. Oh, you have to talk to the to the teacher's aide. Yeah. Talk to the to the assistant, and it's like no, you get yeah. to talk to the professor. Yeah. I still remember one of the funniest interactions I had was I shared a beer with a professor, not knowing it was a professor until much later, and I was thinking <laughs> that can happen here. You, you can just go to a bar and you'll suddenly randomly run. it to into a professor.
2: Yeah.
0: And I was like, that's that's great. I think it's it provides a bigger bond between professor and student knowing that they can approach you in such a casual manner. Because you're not seen as this towering right. deity. You're like, Oh, there's just this, a person who's trying to help they me They go out.
1: to Porter's, too.
0: Yeah, exactly. They go to Porter's, too. They, yeah. go, to, they go to Stripes. They go everywhere here yeah. in Alpine.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So to end it off, what do you love about Alpine?
1: Um, when we leave here after retirement, well, I just love the deer. Well, except for when I hit a deer when I was coming for midnight breakfast one day to work midnight (laughs) breakfast and hit a deer coming around Loop Road and scared me to death. And I guess it, well, I don't think it scared the deer to death, but um, (laughs) it certainly left him or her with a bruise. Um, But, you know, the deer walking down behind our house and, you know, the grandkids coming and, um, you know, us putting out deer chow so that the when we can show off the deer to the grandbabies and all and and even just you know coming to work and dodging them on the <laughs> loop road because they have no concept of uh the fact that my car is a heck of a lot bigger than than they are yeah i just I, you know i love that interaction of nature that we have here I, I love our lobo alerts back when they would say javelina was seen on campus do not try to pet you know <laughs> bobcat don't <laughs> attempt to pet the bobcat Um you know the fact that 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 is a possibility that might even be thought about. I just yeah. find fascinating about here in Alpine is is how, uh, you know, how much of the natural world is so close to us mm-hmm. in a way that when you're, we were in El Paso a couple of weeks ago and, and just driving across town and seeing the layer of smog. I remember yeah. a doctor telling me I have asthma and the doctor saying, you know, Kathy, you got to get out of El Paso, it's going to kill you. Be- because the the uh, ozone, I was yeah. reacted negatively to the ozone uh, action days that we would have there, mm-hmm. and um, here that's not a problem. No. And, you know, I love the fact that uh, there's, you know, to look up at the night sky and it's not all city lights; it's the stars. Yeah. Um, I love that about Alpine. Um, I don't love that I have to go so far to see a doctor. I don't love that um, there's not an H-E-B. Yeah. But I do love the, you know, there's just so many little things that are here that aren't elsewhere. Yeah. And so take advantage of them. Enjoy them.
0: No, it's true. I, um, I still remember the first time I was walking around the campus at night, and I saw so many deer, and I was thinking, I thought these guys only appeared in forests. Yeah. Or in the desert. What's going on here? And the fact that they were on campus yes, it completely blew my mind.
1: I know. Winter intercession one year, I'm walking between um, ACR and BAB, and mm-hmm. I hear this noise behind me, and suddenly this deer comes running up to my right and brushes my arm as he's running past me. And I'm just going, well, excuse you, <laughs> dear," <laughs> But where else does that happen, that you get a yeah. bum rush from a deer as you're walking across... You know the campus it's just those are the kinds of things experiences that you're not going to have when you're you know in a really big city it's mm-hmm. just not going to happen and no. so those are the memories that you treasure and enjoy and become part of you know the lore of what you tell plus i was in an earthquake yesterday oh, yeah. and i felt my feet moving under me and i've not had that happen <laughs> to me anywhere else i have <laughs> uh, well i was in two earthquakes when we lived on okinawa but mm-hmm. you know that was part of the Pacific Rim you expected to place here. <laughs> I don't expect them in Yeah,
0: you don't taxes. expect them here at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dr. Stein, uh, that's all I have for you. Do you have any questions for me no, that you'd like to ask?
1: I don't. I really appreciate the, the visit. It was nice.
0: Well, it was great having you. I really appreciate that you accepted being part of the podcast. Great to hear all you had to say about the libraries and yourself as well. Thank you very much.
1: Glad to be here.
0: And be sure to check us out next time on the next chapter of The Long Overdue.